Good evening, everyone, and welcome for, to this weekend interview. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you're listening to me on tdnradio.net or watching us on Facebook, TDN um, Facebook Live, or tdntv.net, or you might be listening from Nature Isle on RVR Jams, Digiplay Channel 59 in Dominica. Thank you once again for joining. I always say a very special thank you to my regular listeners because I, I like the fact that you come back every um, every week, making this weekend interview a part of your busy schedule. I, I don't take your time for granted. If tonight is the first time you're listening to this weekend interview, I hope I can convert you into a regular listener as well. Tonight, I am what I say, on my episodes when I don't have a guest, I am self-dancing. Like Bernie Slim says, self-dancing can't work, but it works for us on this weekend interview because sometimes I like to just pull back from having a guest and just um, working with you, um, giving you some information, giving you some perspective, um, hopefully getting you to think about certain things in a certain way, in maybe a different angle, a different perspective, and see if... Um, we can decide how, how we're going to move. So tonight I'm going to start the, the show by reading an excerpt from a book. It's a book that I got two, uh, uh, two years ago when we did the um, literary um, festival, um, TDN's Month of Literary Work. One of, the, one of the authors I interviewed that night was Ali Klaza. And I, and I bought his book and um, I really enjoy his writing. I mean, just really um, vivid and um, and lively, jumping out of the book at your writing. And so I'm going to just read part of the first chapter of that book called Kalinago Blood by Ali Klaza. And then in the second half of the show, we will, uh, we will talk a little bit about this, what's happening to Africans in the, in the diaspora of the United States. Um, with um, the, the verdict of um, Chauvin. Um, I didn't realize his name was a shot for chauvinistic, but it's close. <laughs> it's actually the first part of it. Um, but we'll talk a little bit about that and what and how how we think about that. But as usual, I, I want to do the CARICOM anthem as, um, as I do every week. You know, with, uh, with St. Vincent in our mind, it's even more important than ever. So stay tuned for the character mantle and we'll be right back. From many distant lands, our forefathers came. Some seeking adventure, some bound in chains. Through battles waged and fought. Through victory and pain By test of their courage Our freedom was gained In homage to those gone before us The heroes of lands in the sun We vow to join hands and to focus On building one Caribbean Raise your voices high, sing of your Caribbean pride, sing it loud and strong. 
All right, listeners, welcome back um, from the break with Mikael Henderson, as usual, you know, impressing us with the with the CARICOM anthem. And as I was saying, the CARICOM anthem is especially important right now because of what's going on in St. Vincent. I, I do have some friends um, who live on St. Vincent, in St. Vincent. Uh, I see we have Alvin on tonight, Alvin Francis, and of course, we went to New Mexico State together in the 80s and um there were a couple of our classmates or well, not classmates but colleagues who went to different degrees and so on but they were from st vincent and we we are in touch with them and finding out what's going on and it's, it's turning up to be a little bit more rough than usual um but we 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 have to stand by to be able to provide them with aid um, I did find a, a couple of friends in New York from St. Vincent who are putting together some, some help. And, and so I will get some of that information for you by next uh, next week's show. So those of you who may want to contribute um, will be able to. I think they're, they're collecting water, dry goods, and of course, they, they take cash as well. So, you know, when the event happens, it's excited. People are excited and, and you know, they have sympathy. But after a while, a few weeks go by, and um, we really have to continue to remember them, and then not only just remember them, but really to to be able to stand by to assist. So um, we we remember remember our our brothers and sisters in Saint Vincent as they deal with with the volcano, we see the amount of ash that's collecting on top of their um, on their on their homes in their streets. It's a real struggle. To um, dig, literally dig themselves out from under um, the ash that the volcano um, put on them. But if you join me late, this is this is this week's interview. I'm your guide, Anthony Drago. I didn't have a guest tonight. Uh, we were supposed to have had um, a music show. Some some young musicians from Dominica was going to give us a treat um, with some live music. Uh, but they, they they were not able to make it, and so that has to be postponed. I'm look, I'll try to reorganize it for another time in in May. Uh, although May is uh, Mental Health Month, and I'm trying to get some programs for mental health. One of the things that we're working on is um, this young lady, um, Mary Benjamin, who's been working with Yellow. Uh, if you know, if you're from Dominica, you know Yellow. She had some mental health issues, um, lived out in the open for a while. And um, basically, this young lady took her under her wing and, is, and is, it, we're watching the live rescue happening. And so I have them on tap for some time in May. We'll be looking forward to that. Next week, there's a group of writers who write, um, it's like sci-fi and folklore um, melded into one um, called Pito Noir. Uh, and they, they released the work from them last week. I have a few of them on for for next week, Wednesday. But tonight, uh, you have me. And, 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 and you have me all to yourself. I know you don't have to share me with any guests. I hope you're excited about that as I am. And what I'm going to do is because for the month of April, I've been doing um, just books and literary stuff, I am going to read to you from a book that I really like. It's called Kalinago Blood by Ali Klaza. And it's published by by Abbott Press. Chapter one. I'm just going to read from chapter one, which sets it up. Um, Our tribe is dying, the old woman said to the priest. He sat beside her on a short, up-ended log, his brown cassock hanging in folds about his frame, 
The rosary of lads beads sat on one hip, fell loosely below the other. They were on white to Kubuli, the only island where the Kalinago could still find refuge after a hundred years of fighting. So much had changed uh, with the passing of time that it seemed to the old woman that emptiness had taken the place of the world to new. My name is Barbie. Barbie, she said. I was the daughter of a chief on Chalibe. Many years ago, my sisters and I were abducted by the Kalinago and brought to this island. My sisters were older, were mated, but I was too young and skinny to marry, so I was given to the chief's daughter, Tena, as slave. <clears throat> I loved Tena as much as she had come to love me. And the course of our lives and the fate of the Kalinago might have been different had we not both befriended the same boy. His name was Kerry, the younger brother of the man who was mated to Kiana, Kuyana, one of my sisters. I loved him as a brother. Taylor's love for him found expression in secret places and was far more demanding than mine. As it was, this triangle of our affection was the undoing of us all. It was so long ago, more years than my feeble mind is able to hold, more years than I care to remember, yet the memory of those I loved and those I lost still lingers, as if their passing left a trace that cannot be erased. She paused excuse me, and rested her bony hand on the priest's knee. For a moment, she remained silent, searching for the words that would bring back a time too far distant for instant recollection. And then she spoke slowly, drawing the words from the depth of her memory. I was there when it all began. The priest lifted his face, now alight with curiosity. It had been the kind of day that promised all that it was good and pleasurable. I had left the village behind and roamed to the fields and swam in the river. When I heard the cry, I knew it was the sound of distress. I found my sister, Kuyana, sitting on a rock, wailing and seemingly unaware of the world around her. A few feet away, a crowd bent over an object. It was Kuyana's husband, Kenzie, lying in a pool of blood. There was an ugly gash in his abdomen from which protruded gray coils of his intestine. Kuyana was lost in the horror of not knowing what had suddenly turned her world upside down. We led her back to the village, but we could not get her to return to her hut. For many days afterwards, she did not speak, she did not eat. She sat on a stone underneath a milkwood tree and did not move even as the sun rose and burned the dust at her feet. The stench of her body was so bad that no one came near her. In the evening of the fifth day, she came alive with a, terif with a terrified look and pointed a finger at something in the distance, a gesture of such awful accusation that people turned around suddenly. It was Totimi, the most despised man in the village. He walked with arrogant disregard through the crowd and entered the tabwe. Kuyana, still on the stone beneath the milkwood tree, sat transfixed. It was as if she saw a cloud of doom hanging over the place where Totemi had just entered. 
she never took her eyes from the entrance to the tabway and spoke words that bubbled like the froth from the depth of her bosom. I came and sat beside her, held her soiled body and rocked her gently. She told me that for many days, Totemi had followed her everywhere. And every day she had eluded him because Kenzie was never far away. But that day, Kenzie had left her and gone into the bush. She was stretched out on a rock as she dozed in the sun. It was then that Totemi came, as silent as the river rising, and fell upon her. Lying open on the rock, she was defenseless. He entered her forcibly, and at first she fought him, screaming, hoping that Kenzie would hear and return quickly. Part of her recoiled from Totemi's embrace, but the other part surrendered to an ecstasy that took her beyond caring. It was then that Kenzie suddenly broke through the bush and came running. But even at that instant, her body yearned to grasp within it the thrill that was already slipping away. She lay there open and still wanting, even as she watched Totemi face, face up and begin hacking at her husband. It was only when Kenzie fell and his blood stained the water that coldness settled on her body. I looked at her with wonder and shame. I could not understand the paradox of such emotion. I could not understand how she could hate Totemi so much and yet could not resist the tremor of loss that seized her when he entered her. I could not understand how violations such as she had described could bring pleasure to a woman so wrong. Yes, yet she looked on her face as if she as she recounted her shame was one of longing and regret that the concupiscence of her body was so at war with the revulsion of her spirit. The women nearby had listened to Kuyana's words. They turned in unison as if an evil wind had unexpectedly struck their faces. The men leaned forward, horrified at what they had heard. I reached out to my sister once again. The other women came and surrounded us. Drawn not so much by what Kuyana spoke, but by a sense of, tra of tragedy of her shame. The murmurs reached the men standing aloof in the shade, and they bowed their heads, already thinking of what lay ahead. We buried Kenzie in a hole dug in the earth. The women washed his body and painted it red with ruku. They oiled and combed his hair until it glowed. The men broke his legs and bent his body into a fetal position so that his chin rested on his knee. Then they lowered him into the hole, placed a short length of board over his head and covered him beneath, four feet of ground towards the back of the tabu. The buoy lit a fire around the mound of earth and chanted for many hours. Women wailed in the night and men waited. Everyone knew that more blood would spill before the dishonor of Kuyana's rape would be washed away. I knew that too, and I was afraid. That same night, Kenzie's younger brother, Kerry, went into the woods outside the village to a sapling where his, where his axe was wielded to a branch. The axe was not yet ready. The sap of the sapling, being still too thin, with not enough strength to bind the blade of 
stones with fiber. But everyone accepted that the time had come to fulfill his destiny. He cut the branch, shaped the handle carefully, and held the axe firmly in his hand. He sat against a tree and waited all night. When, he, when in the morning, Totemi left the village to meet him, we were all filled with distress. Terry was brave, but like the sapling that he had used to bang his axe, he was too tender to withstand the weapon of war. Afterwards, Totemi vanished. We brought Kerry's body back to the village amid, amid tears and lamentation. Only the men remained stoic because they recognized that the code of honor had been carried out. And all this while, Kuyana sat alone and silent. It was only when the dust had settled and the blood remains of his tragedy was covered that they thought to administer to her sorrow. By then, the symbolic act of sharing her hair had lost its meaning, and only the need to rescue what remained of her mattered. I took my sister to the river where the sea rolled into the sandbank and washed the disgrace from her loins, but the stain on her spirit defied cleansing. Love can be a sinful thing when we are unable to recoil to its ending. Sainer loved Carrie, and so did I, but whereas I suffered silently, she could not contain the pain of such a loss. All day she railed against Quiana for the curse that she had brought to the village, so that fear entered the people, and there was a general outcry for our banishment. Next day, Quiana and I were taken to the shore and sent away. I remember the look on Taylor's face as she saw me lifted into the kan Kanawa. It was a look of sadness and resignation as if that which was happening was inevitable and just. I left with a heavy heart, thinking that I would never see Tena or set foot on Waitukubuli again. I had come to love my new home and to regard Tena as the only sister left to me. My natural sisters having been taken away by their several husbands, I looked with longing at the hills and valleys as the Kanawa was pushed away and my longing did not waver until a mist over the ocean hid her shores. We sailed from island to island two days before we came to Liamuga. This island was different. A central cone rose from the lowlands, surrounding it to a height of a thousand feet. Plains stretched on three sides from the base of the mountain down to the sea towards the south, and the land opened out to a marshy ground and before it tapered a narrow range of hills that ended in a blunt promontory of sheer cliff against which the dark blue ocean pounded. So this is part of the first chapter of the book, um, Kalinago Broad. Um, it was written by Alec Glazer, uh, and I think you get the idea of the, of the vividness of the writing, not only in terms of describing physical attributes, but really in describing the, the relationship um, of human beings to each other. Uh, as you read the book further, it goes on to the encounter with, um, with the Europeans when they, came, when they came to the Caribbean. Those of you who are not from Dominica would, would, would let me just say that um, Waitikubuli is the, um, is the Carib name for, or the Kalinago, I'm sorry, I should say in Carib, because they, not, the people refer to themselves as Kalinago. 
is the, the Kalinagundim for Dominica, and it means tall is her body. And um, Alec takes us through. It, it's a book that it, it's fiction, but it's 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 woven with um, historical facts. So the coming of the Europeans, the interaction with the native people, um, search for gold, and, and all of those things. Um, that that writing that Alec has, I encourage you to get it. Uh, I, I encourage you to get all the writings that you can from Dominican authors because we we have a whole treasure trove of, of modern writing. Uh, a few couple of weeks ago, I did feature uh, Montage Dominique, which is uh, a collection of short stories and poems by up by twenty Dominican authors who came together and um, and, and did that book. And they have a whole lot of other books. And at TDN, we're always trying to really promote our writers. We start we start with Dominica, but we go throughout we go throughout the region. Uh, I see a number of you are on. Um, so just you know, Angie, good night, Cheryl, Reza, Cuthbert, Glenda, Sharon, um, Alvin. So I hope I hope that little tidbit that I gave you. Um, Will whet your appetite to go get 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 this book, read it, and then get all the others from from all of these excellent Dominican writers, uh, because these writings are, are a record, even if they're fiction, but they're a record of our stories that that is told by ourselves. And we we look at the news, and we see what's happening to people of African descent. We see how how difficult it is for us to 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 get attraction in in this society and and even when we think we have traction uh one encounter with the system reminds us that you know no matter what you achieve you're just another black man or just another black woman your kids uh hi sophie i sorry say that you're there too uh, you're welcome um the your kids, you remember, uh, you know, just another 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 black young boy or black young girl. I have three um, young black men that that are living in the United States, and um, it's it, it's a worry. It's a worry that we always have when our kids go out and they have to interact interact with the law. I've had interactions with them. Um, well, obviously, it turned out well because I'm here. <laughs> but you know, you, you see the stories, and like everything else, we never imagine we will be the next one. My brother Duke, what's up? Um, we we never imagine that we would be the next one. And just like death, you never imagine that you are the next one in a group that's not that that's not going to be the next time that group comes together. And so. What do we have to do? We have to we have to learn the history, understand where the system comes from, so that we can we can take mitigating actions to reduce the risk that we face, but also to to create our own opportunities, create our own opportunities to enhance ourselves. Because if we if we're not able to do it for ourselves, then we are at the mercy of the same people who are oppressing us, and then they throw us a crumb. Um, so, 
we're pretty much at the middle of the hour. I'm going to take a quick break, get away from the sponsors. And when we come back, uh, we're going to discuss just that the whole environment that's taking place in, in the US right now. I can read your I can read your comments. So as you make comments, um, some of them I'll be able to just read. You can respond and you can contribute to the discussion that way. If you if you're watching us on Facebook Live, TDN TV, you can do TDNTV.net. Um, this week in interview Facebook page or TDN Radio Facebook page. And if you're watching on any one of those and you type a comment, then I can I can see it. Uh, Will good night. I can see it, and therefore we can have a discussion that way. I I'm not doing an open line because sometimes when you do an open line, the call goes long and and everybody doesn't get a chance to contribute. But if you type in comments, I can see the comments, and we can have a discussion. Quick quick break, and we'll be right back. If you live in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K., and are looking for Dominica products, including cocoa sticks, bay rum, coffee, soaps, crafts, and other popular Dominica items, then look no further. You can now shop on buydominicaonline.com, a secure, easy-to-navigate website selling a wide variety of Dominica-made and Dominica-inspired products. When you shop on buydominicaonline.com, you are helping to grow Dominica's economy. Go to buydominicaonline.com and enjoy home away from home. When you feel a sneeze or a cough coming, <coughs> covering your mouth prevents the spread of germs. You probably knew that. But the way you cover up also matters. And that means breaking a habit you've held near and dear all your life. Cover your nose and mouth with your flexed elbow or a tissue, not your hands. Discard the used tissue immediately. Then wash your hands. Help stop the spread of germs. Remember, your health is your responsibility. A message by the Health Promotion Unit of the Ministry of Health, Wellness and New Health Investment, Dominica. Welcome back, uh, listeners. And, you know, this commercial reminds us that we're still in the time of COVID. So just to continue to be careful practice your social distancing, sanitize your hands, um, cough when you cough, cover when you cough. If you feel any symptoms, um, go get tested, you know? Just make sure you protect yourself and, and, and your loved ones. And I also tell you that tonight's episode of this speaking interview is brought to you compliments of Deacon Dental Group uh, in Boston, Massachusetts, in, in Dorchester, uh, Massachusetts, on Duville Avenue. And of course, if you, they, they have this standing thing that if you're Dominican, the first time you come in, you get a complimentary um, cleaning. And I have taken the privilege and, <laughs> and the responsibility to say that anybody who goes there for the first time and you tell them that you heard about Deacon Dental on this speaking interview, you will also be um, treated with a free, a free dental cleaning. If they don't agree with you, I put it on my tab. Um, and add, and add, and argue with them, <laughs> but no, they they state of the art facility. They produce they 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 do all the procedures on site. They have um, different specialists who come in 
and use the facility. And um, any it rivals any modern day um, dental facility that you can go to and surpasses many of them. Um, very, very professional staff, uh, very caring and empathetic staff that they have. So um, visit them on site, you know, Beacon Dental Group, uh, a tremendous group of people out there. All right. So as I said before the break, tonight on this speaking interview, I wanted to just do a little bit of, of, of the book. Sometimes, and I have guests, I don't get time to feature some of my favorite books. Um, I see Sharon um, Darivelli with us tonight. She's been a guest on this speaking interview many times. And we do have a series um, that we, we, we need to put together and, and, and bring to you based on some of her latest work. Um, it has to do with abuse and so on. So that, that is a treat that, um, that you have to look forward to because Sharon's writing is, is also um, excellent. But I want to take the second half of the program tonight to talk about um, what's going on, what's going on in for our people. Uh, because yesterday we were celebrating the verdict of, of Chauvin um, that murdered jo um, Judge Floyd in broad daylight and, and obviously thinking that he had impunity. And we were celebrating that, that verdict. And this morning we woke up to the news that a 16-year-old um, was shot by the police. And, and the excuse is that she had a knife. And she was swinging the knife at, at somebody else was in a fight. And so in mid-swing, the police shot her and shot her four times. And you, 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 some people justify that. I, I don't know if I justify that because we see so many mass shootings with assault rifles. And they're able to, to take those guys alive. Some of them, some of them even shoot police and they still manage to take them alive. And so, you know, when I, when I look at the interaction of the police with black people in America, it reminds me of how those of us from the Caribbean, especially Dominica, our interaction is snakes. When you see a snake in Dominica, everybody wants to kill the snake. And they kill it multiple times. You see a snake in the road, you drive over the snake, you reverse, you drive over it again, you reverse, you drive. And, and you never consider a snake to be something that you want to walk away from and leave it alive. And so the interaction that I, when I, when I interpret the interaction with the police, with, with people of European, a lot of people of European descent, and I know I'm painting some stuff with a broad brush, but, but, but I have to because it happens so often. That, that is justified to paint a different broad brush. There, there's that kind of an attitude. Um, the cops come at you in an aggressive way. And because they come at you in an aggressive way, when, you, when you're angry, you don't think clearly. So even, even the cops who may not on a day-to-day -day basis see me walking down the road and think that he hates me because I'm black, when that cop comes to a black person in a car and his his attitude is that you know i have i have a wife and kids to go back home so i'm not going to take any chances with these people and at the slightest perception of a provocation 
Sometimes it's not even a provocation. They shoot. And you don't get to go back to your wife and your wife and children or your brothers or sisters. And and you wonder what is that about? And the only answer you can come up with, or I can come up with, is that somehow the society in America doesn't the, the Caucasian society in America doesn't see black people as people in the same way that they see themselves as people. And even like when you follow some of the arguments on, on, on social media, you see certain people trying to justify. Well, he didn't do this. I, I stopped participating. I remember when Trayvon Martin was killed. Um, I was in a forum and I said, so what would you do if somebody was stalking you? And the other person on the other side said, well, why would you use the word stalk? Once you use the word stalk, you bring in emotions into it. And so I, I said, so if you're walking down the road by yourself and somebody's following you, and it's, it's back and it's obvious that person is following you, you think that stalking is a strong word. And you could never get that person to move from the position where they are. And so those kind of arguments are, are from people who cannot empathize with the victim. Because if you have a young brother, and or you have a husband, or you have a sister, and you can you can somehow place yourself in that position and say, "Boy, if that was my brother, if that was my sister, how would I feel?" If you cannot do that, then you can never be able to put your to, to empathize with the situation, and you can only do that if you see that person as an equal. If you see that young man that just got shot as a person, just like your son is a person, then you're able to empathize with that. And so, folks. You can type your comments if um, in there. I'll, I'll respond to them. But I am happy for the verdict. Obviously, I'm happy for the verdict. But my impression is that the verdict is just a token. That what Chauvin did was so far out that it it was it was it was difficult not to charge him not to bring him to trial, not to find him guilty. We can only start to really celebrate when we see it becomes easier for, when it becomes easier for, for, for those things to, to happen. So, you, when I say something, this is happening, this, this other cop that shot the young man 20 years old, and said that she thought she was she had pulled her taser, but she shot him instead. Again, that is what I'm that is what I'm talking about. When you approach a situation with aggression and with anger, your your thinking and your judgment gets clouded. And so you cannot make rational decisions. You get nervous, you get whatever, you get whatever. So let's assume for a moment that it was a genuine error, that she really thought she, she had pulled her taser. And the trigger that she, she pulled was the trigger on her taser. What, what was the reason why this had to get escalated to that extent? You, you know his name. You have his driver's license. You have your registration. You know where he lives. Even if he drives away, you can find him. 
it, it, it's not somebody who just committed mo a, a mass murder and they're running away with a gun and you want to kill them before they kill somebody else. Those kind of, that kind of rational thinking can never happen if you are in a state of frenzy and, and it's, and you know, this person is, is, is you know, it's a pig bull, it's a dog, it's a, it's, those black people are so strong. Those black, those black boys are dangerous, you might have a gun. If you, if you approach the situation from that point of view, you put yourself in a frame of mind where it's not difficult for, for you to make a rational thought, for you to make a, a rational decision. And why, why do those errors happen so often with, with, with black people? Again, we, we have to understand that somehow we've bred a society where these people don't really see us as equal human beings. Excuse me. They don't see us as equal human beings. And, and until we change that, and we as a people have a responsibility to change that. We can only control what we do. We cannot control what the other side does. And so the onus has to be on us to first develop our own selves, develop our own system. And one of the ways I think that we can do that is to support our own. Like for example, I just told you about Beacon Dental Health in, in, in Boston, one of our sponsors. That's a black owned business. We can support them. We, we, we support that business. We support that business and that business thrives. He can turn around and he sponsors this week in interview. This week in interview now can promote our Dominican writers, tells our stories. Our young kids read the books, read our stories. They develop a sense of, of pride within themselves. They more than likely will get into an engagement that is productive as, as human beings. So you see where the thread is. We have to search out our, our people and support our people. I, 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 you know, somebody says the taser and the gun are carried on different sides. And after so many years as a cop, she should know how a gun feels. And, and, and that is right. That, I mean, it's, it's a difficult mistake to make. So I'm even so I'm even, but I'm saying even if you 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 do the benefit of the doubt and say it was a genuine mistake, it was a genuine mistake that was caused by the aggressive nature in which they they deal with the situation. If you have a 20 year old boy, there there are multiple officers there. Everybody has a gun. What is the reason for it to be escalated? To, so you have you have control of the situation. What is the reason for it to be escalated to where you even have to pull a gun? It's a kid. A 20-year-old is a kid. I have a 20-year-old son. I mean, you're a cop. You cannot control the situation if a 20-year-old on a man. You follow police procedure. If you're going to arrest him because he has an outstanding warrant, take him to the back of the car, which is normal practice. So he, there's not a chance that he would jump into his car and drive away. And even if he drives away, stand back. Let him drive off. You know where he lives. You have his license. You have you have all the information on him. the The situation is that we have to empower ourselves. And she says, as Will Smith said, racism is getting worse. It's getting. Race, said racism is getting worse. And you know the treatment. 
the, the, the treatment that, that we get has to do with us because if we if we are a powerful enough group, people respect us. See, there's a couple of incidents of, of violence against Asian people. Today in the Senate, there's a bill being debated called the Bill Against Violence against violence against Asian people. See how quickly that came into being. That there was a there are a couple incidents of violence against black against Asian people. And it has risen to the level where a bill is being debated in the Senate of the United States of America. When was the last time a bill that that was against violence against black people? When was the last time that was discussed? in the Senate. So we have to recognize our power and understand that the way to deal with this situation is to increase the power within our society. That 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 is what that is what is required. Make ourselves more powerful so that people would know that there are consequences to mistreating us. That we will have people in places where we can hold an, a, a politician accountable. Black people pick the president of the United States. It is so clear in this last election, when Joe Biden was in the primary race in Iowa and Ohio, remember? His, his um, candidacy had tanked. People were even talking about Joe Biden withdrawing from the race. And Joe Biden said, no, wait. Wait until I get to the South. Wait until I get among my black people and you will see that I will get the bomb that I need. And so said, so done. He went to Las Vegas and then when he went into the South, Super Tuesday, he decimated everybody who was ahead of him, thanks to the vote of black people. We fast forward to the general election. When they counted white people's vote, Donald Trump would have gotten four more years of presidency. I wonder if we would still be alive if Donald Trump had, had won the election. When they started counting black people's vote, that saved America from another term of Donald Trump's presidency, if you, if you can call it a presidency. Black people li literally elected Joe Biden from among the Democrats, have him as the, as the Democratic candidate and then voted for him to, to remove Donald Trump and the increase in violence from the back of America, to try to, try to reestablish America's position in the world with all with Russia and China and all the other threats. Black people did that thing handedly. But how many, how many black senators do we have? We have Cory Booker. Kamala Harris is no longer there. I think we really have to. How many people in the House of Representatives? So, so we are not using our power for our benefit. Just like I was reading an article that said that black people, especially West Indians and Africans too, they come to America and in no time they own homes. When you own homes, you pay taxes. You, you, you know, we like to shop. So we pay a lot of sales tax. We are really contributing to the economy. But then we turn around and we don't 
go into politics. We go into politics as workers. We don't go into politics and run for office. You know, you, you see these white people that come, they run for their school board. Then they run for district council. Then they're on the town council. Before you know it, they're running for office. And, they, and, and the Asians do it too, and they migrate upward. And, and, and so they have, they have people in places where when something happens to the community, they don't really need to go and demonstrate. They can call so-and-so and say, listen, <laughs> we campaign for you. We expect you to fix this. And that person knows that they're coming up for re-election. They have to fix it. So if we support our businesses, we support our people, we get that economic power. If we run for office and we get elected, we have political power. With economic and political power, we can change the way that we are being treated. We are, we are being mistreated and then we are being blamed. Every time we talk about folks killing us, they tell us, but you have black and black crime. But you have white and white crime. You have Asian and Asian crime. I mean, you had the Italian mafia that was so violent, but you, they romanticize it and make movies about it and all of that. It's only black, black violence that's considered to be black and black violence. And therefore, because, because our young people will kill each other, it's justified that you can come and practice, take target practice on us. You can come and make your numpty on black people, like you say. So as the answer that we have, the answer that we have is within us. The answer that to, to all of the treatment that we get is within us. We, we have to support and empower ourselves. We have to build a wall around our community. And we have to be able to say, if you come at one of us, you come at all of us. Think of think of how many times <clears throat> we see a young person being searched by the police and we just walk away because we're scared that the police is going to turn his attention to us. What would have happened if that 17 year old young girl had chosen to be scared of Chauvin and walk away? What if she had not pulled up her cell phone, hit record, and recorded that? brutal murder of George Floyd, we would have had a completely different outcome. You know, the morning after the incident, the police, the, the news report said that a man had died from medical co complications while in police custody. That is how they describe the death of George Floyd the day after the incident. It's only when that young girl distributed her video on social media and it started going around social media that is when we start seeing the demonstration and and protest and so on and that is what brought us to the, to the jubilation that we had yesterday if if that young girl had not stopped and taken her cell phone and recorded what was going on children would still be a cop in Minnesota today. They probably would not even have indicted him. We have to, there, there are groups in every major city in America, there are groups that train you on how to interact with the police. If you see the police 
doing something, how you can stop and you can swim it and what your rights are and how you can interact so that you can walk out from that situation safely. Find one of those groups and do the training so that the next time it might be you. You see what difference one 17 year old girl made? She was on the stand crying. She was crying because she said she felt powerless that she could not do anything to help George Floyd. She cried during, during the um, trial, not, not knowing that she had done more than many of us do. We, because we know of the brutalization of our people, we, we are afraid to expose ourselves to that brutalization of us as well. And we train our we train our kids how to interact with the police so that they can walk away alive. And there's nothing wrong with that intrinsically because we all we know none of us want our kids to be the next victim. But but if if black people are as religious as they are, and we're always praying, and we believe in heaven. Is it that bad if you get if you get killed trying to defend what you consider to be a just cause? You know, people are banking on the fact that black people are afraid to die. But they but but how can how can it be that we are afraid to die when our young men and women are, are given conditions where they have no choice but to to kill each other? On on my day job, I work in, in public housing <coughs> public housing in New York. And I have I have seen violence. I've, I've seen killing at least three times in in my vicinity while I'm working in New York public housing. Because the young kids come from school and they have nothing to do but to hang out. There are no resources in the community. The the basketball courts are in terrible state. Most they can do is hang out. They're, they're in the parking lot playing dice. They get into an argument and the guns are available. Where do the guns come from? The young boys don't have money to buy guns. How come guns are so available to our young people in our community that every time there's a beef, some young boy has a gun that he can shoot his friend with? They were friends. That's usually the only way they get into an argument because they were friends and they have a falling out like friends are falling out. But when you are, when we were young and we have falling out, we fight. It was that might happen, somebody give you a cool wash and bless your head. But if you have a gun or you have a knife, the outcome might be worse and it might be just in the heat of the moment. So we have to understand that and we have to do more than just go to work and come home and go to the supermarket and come home. We have to find the groups, and if the groups don't exist, we have to create the groups that can engage our young folks. You know, a, a little carpentry, some plumbing, some electrical work, or even just a same basketball. Organize a little basketball league among the young people, keep them engaged, so that a young boy that's trying to impress a young girl is not trying to impress a young girl with how brave. Or how much guts he has, or how strong he is, or how he's not backing down from an argument. 
he can he can impress that young girl with how well he can play basketball, how he can fix a car, how he can when you come to a house he can fix a chair leg on, on, on a table or something, and that's what that's what our parents gave us, and so we have to be able to give that to the up and coming young people, so that there's something that they can engage with that's a little more than fight and shoot and stab. So this is what we're leaving you tonight, okay? While we celebrate the verdict from yesterday, the work is still on because it's just a verdict. We haven't even seen the sentencing as yet. There are some, there are other cases. Every day our people are getting killed. So we, we, we have to stay vigilant. But <clears throat> find a black business and su support that black business. If you're going to do your hair, see if you can get a black hairdresser. If you're going to do your nails, see if you can get a, a black nails person. If you're going for a massage, see if you can find a black person to give you a massage. If you buy groceries, even if you have to go a little further, try to find a grocery that is owned by a black person. Try to support black business. Black people are the only people who shop anywhere. We don't discriminate where we spend our money. You go into an Asian store, you see Asians buying Asian stuff. Italians buy Italian things. Irish going to the Irish pub. Black people, you scatter all our business and our economic wealth all over the place instead of concentrating it in the community. When we support our, our people, our people will turn around and they have the, they develop the resources to be able to Sponsor something. <clears throat> so your kid is in the basketball um, team. He can go to Beacon Dental Health. He can go to some other store and say, we have a basketball league and we need to buy some uniforms. You have anything I can do for you after school and you can pay me so you can get some money to buy some uniforms. Or sponsor something. But that cannot happen if we don't have the businesses within the community to support that kind of thing. So that's where it has to start. And also, look to hold office, look, look to run for office. School board, village council, district representative, whatever, whatever. And when somebody comes to you for your vote, just as you need to be discriminating before you spend your money, you need to be discriminating in who you vote for. I'm going to vote for you, but I expect these are my demands, so, 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 and so, and so, and so. And support, support our black leaders. Believe it or not, it's an hour, it's nine o'clock, so, so it's time to quit. But get Kalinago Blood by Ali Plaza. It's a, it's a really good book, read it. Get the works by some of the other writers. Uh, Sharon Darivel, like as I said, she's been on there several times and we have, we have to do uh, some work on her latest um, book. Then we have um, Peter Noir with uh, um, Giselle um, Bennett, uh, Nicole Bennett, I'm saying, saying Giselle, Nicole, um, and the group of writers who take our folklore, like we used to tell before, to Korean Luga with stuff, mix it with sci-fi and, and all of that, and bring it into a genre that is just really, um, it's thrilling. You read it and it, it, you get scared sometimes. But it's centered around our lives. Support those writers. CDN Radio, CDN TV, always. CDN Media Network. <laughs>
always in support of, of our literary um, artists. So I encourage you, most of the work, most of the work is on Amazon. It's in e-format, so while you are taking a break from work, while you go on the way to work, you can you can listen to it, you can read it, if you're not driving. And you can also get the hard copy so you can have in your home, so your kids and your family can also read it. So support them. So that's it. Thank you for staying with me tonight. This has been this freaking interview. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to Sam. All of you who contributed to the discussion on um, TDNTV.net, TDN Radio Facebook page, this freaking interview Facebook page. You can go there, get the replay. You can see past shows as well. Um, we have we have all of that. And those a lot of folks are doing stuff from home, and you have your little business. Um, our affiliate company, GNB Enterprises, we do we do websites, we host websites. If you have your own radio station, you can, or you have a, you have you have the desire to do a blog or radio station, we have the ability to set you up with that as well. All right. So check them out, GNB Enterprises. Let's send. Send us an info, a, a, a quick email, info at tdnradio.net, and we will we'll point you in the right direction. All right? So have a good week, guys, and we will see you next week. Thank you very much.